Man, good job singing, guys. That was awesome. I hope, as I sat and sang that and listened to you sing, I hope the things we sang, you were singing as truths that you know, that that's, that's true for me. Um, if not, I pray today will be the day that you can begin singing that. Share a couple things really quick before we get going uh, about, about where we're going to go today. First, you'll be glad to know that uh, Pastor Chris only gave me one verse. Um, and, <laughs> and there were a couple that I wanted, but the last time, the last time I preached was on a Sunday night. And, and he told me, he said, hey, this is where we're at and, and just kind of figure out where you want to go. And so I ripped off like 40 verses, finished the whole chapter. And he's like, man, I can't believe you did that in one night. So today he said, you get one verse and one verse only because he knows I would have finished the book probably. Um, the other thing about, about what we're going to look at today, I will say this. Um, Laura alluded to this a little bit after she read from Isaiah. Uh, honest to goodness, this is either... This, what we're going to talk about today is either like the greatest news or the worst news for you. There is, there is no in-between on this one verse today. You're going to hear this and receive this as, man, I cannot wait. Or you're going to hear this and receive this as, that day is coming. And I hope it's not soon. Um, and so we'll get there in a little bit. I want to talk, um, talk about where we've been the last week or so. Of course, we've been looking in 2 Peter chapter 3 for a couple of weeks now, and we've seen how the false teachers have been leading the people away from God and from his truth. I mean, that's what false teachers do, right? And so in chapter 3, Peter dealt specifically with this claim that Jesus wasn't going to come back. Um, and this is relevant for us today because every generation has taught this. This, this is taught today in our generation that, oh, it's not going to happen. He's not going to come back. And truth be told, it's an attractive thing to hear. And a lot of people like hearing that because if we fall into that trap and we believe it, we can live however we want to live, right? The day of the grade card is not coming. I don't have to worry about what's my report card going to look like when he shows up. I can live how I want to live now, do what I want to do now. Um, so Peter, Peter in chapter 3 is dealing with what's luring people away. Last week, we saw uh, how he reminded his listeners um, of a few things, beginning in verse 8, things that he wanted them not to forget, things that he said, you need to remember these. The first thing he said was, you need to remember that we can't expect or we can't ask God to think of time the way we think of time. Um, God doesn't work on, on our clock. God, God isn't being slow, Peter said, in the fulfillment of his promise in the way we might consider slow. I was, I was at a at a fast food establishment the other day. I hate this. Ordered my food. I was the only car. Paid at the first window, went to the next window, and was told, hey, you need to pull up to that other one. I'm like, oh, you are killing me. There's nobody else here. And I sat there for probably what was like three minutes. I'm like, this is taking forever. It's ridiculous. And I'm getting so mad, right? Because, because my, con my concept of slow is so much different, right, than, than, than God's concept. Um, I see, I see things as they affect my life now in the short term. It's like, man, just give me my food. I'm hungry. I want it. God, God's clock, God, God is not bound by the, by the clocks that we're bound by. Instead, 
what Peter's referring to is God has, has an express divine purpose in view, right? God has something in view that, that's, that's way out there. Um, and so he's patient with us. And that's what Peter reminded them of last week. He said, God's patient with us. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but instead wants for everyone to come to repentance, which is great news. Unfortunately, we know that not everyone comes to repentance. That's why Jesus says, right, the, the road is wide, the gate is wide that leads to destruction. As I read through the New Testament, it seems like the majority of people never make it to the narrow road and find the narrow gate to salvation. Um, we know that not everyone comes to repentance. And that's why Peter, in his encouragement and encouraging to us, that's why we should be so grateful every day for God's patience, right? Listen, we know, we know that God loves saving people, right? But think about this. If God had decided prior to, to worship service today, right, if God had decided that this morning the day of the Lord was going to come, then that means everyone on the planet who has never trusted in Christ alone for their salvation would have entered into an eternity of wrath and judgment. And we get that, right? Because, because we're, talking about, we're talking about your family members, right? Perhaps, perhaps we're talking about your spouse or your kids, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's your grandkids. Um, maybe it's your parents, your friends, your neighbors. If the Lord's patience, right, had ended and had he come back tomorrow or today, then all of these people that we know who don't have a relationship with Christ, that's where they would be now. We need to remember that. Right? And so what Peter's telling his listeners then and he's telling us is don't buy, don't be like these scoffers. Don't question the promise of God. Instead, praise God for his patience in returning. And we need to do that as well. And as we look today, in chapter 3, verse 10, we need to remember again that Peter still has in view this false teaching uh, that he talked about earlier in the chapter. Uh, that, that particular teaching is in verse 4 when he says, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. So these false teachers have rejected the promise of the second coming, right? The reality of the second coming. They're saying that's not going to happen. And I think they did that for a lot of reasons. I mean, first and foremost, it benefited them. In some way, these false teachers benefited from this false teaching. That's why we have false teachers today. They're getting something out of this. And so they did it for that reason. It served their selfish, sinful purpose. But to be fair, well, that's probably the wrong word. But, but to be fair, it had been a while. It really had. Um, it had been many years since this promise was given, given. And so with the passing of time, they simply started to discount the truth of it. And, and I know in here a couple of weeks ago, Chris spent time talking about that, that we're prone to do the same thing, right? Um, I don't think any of you in the room right now would stand up and, and declare publicly, I think that's a lie. I don't think Jesus is coming back. I don't believe in it. But the truth is, we sometimes live practically like it's not going to happen. And I, I thought a lot about this, and, and as, I, as I look across, um, as I look across our country, our culture, to be honest, I don't see a great sense of urgency 
along, among a lot of believers today. I just don't. Um, a lot of people treat church and the gathering of believers like this, like it's really, really not that, that important. You know, um, if I miss, it's okay. There's always time next week or time in a couple of weeks I can come back. Very similar to this false teaching that was going on. Oh, you've got time. Don't worry about it. You don't need to, you, you don't need to be concerned with it. I don't see a great sense of urgency sharing the gospel with people that are going to hell. You know, I, I wonder, I talked with our teenagers about this not too long ago. I remember telling them, I'm, I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure if people believe the good news is really good news, right? Because if we believe the good news was actually good, uh, there, there, would, there would be more of an urgency to get people into the doors to hear it. Um, I think practically we're prone to, to ignoring the truth of what we're going to see in a minute by the fact that, that confession, repentance, um, it's like, well, there's time for that. I can do that later. I can get things right with God after I take care of these other things. And as Chris mentioned a couple weeks ago, there are just a lot of us who live as though an inbreaking of the Son of God and a transformation of this created order is out of the question, right? It's really not going to happen. If it was going to happen, it already would have. And what I would tell you is if you fall into that trap, right, at all of not sure if it's going to happen, pick this book up, right? Just, just read through God's word. And you, it won't take you very long before you come across things God has told us, recorded for us, where he stepped into history to mete out his wrath and judgment against wickedness and against sin and against people. It's happened before. It will happen again. So Peter mentions this false teaching in chapter 3, verse 10, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in verse 4. And after he mentions it there, he never brings it back up, even though that seems to be the point of chapter 3. And so what he does instead is he begins to deal with Jesus coming again, specifically what's going to happen when he comes back. And he simply states everything is going to be burned up and there's going to be a new a new earth in its place. That's it. Jesus is coming back, everything's going to be destroyed, burned up. There will be a new earth in its place. And his listeners needed to hear that, and we need to hear that, right? And so I want us to hear I want us to hear why and what Peter is speaking to the folks that were that were buying into this idea of I don't need to worry about Jesus coming back. One of the things he was he was telling them that he's telling us is stop being devoted to this world. Right? Don't devote yourself to the things of this world. For instance, don't don't devote yourself to the accumulation of wealth. Right? Don't spend time with that. Don't don't give yourself up to sexual licentiousness, physically or mentally or any way, don't, don't do that. Don't build monuments from the praises of men, right? He says every bit of that stuff, all of it is going to get burned up. Plus, you know, God doesn't care about those things, right? If God cared about them, he wouldn't burn them up. He doesn't care about my investment portfolio. He doesn't care about my personal desires. He doesn't care about my reputation among men. What God cares about is our holiness, not these other things. And because that's what matters to God, our holiness, Peter says we need to fill our lives in the light of the truth that Jesus is coming back. Okay? So that's where we're at. So take a look at verse 10. Let's talk about this verse. 
because this is where Peter was headed. I'll start in verse 9, what we heard last week. It says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And then verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Let's pray. God, we, we do. We thank you for the truth of your word. God, we thank you that you are a loving father. You are patient. God, help us to always thank you for your grace, for your patience. People we know, people we love, people we work with, people we see every day. God, who, who do not know you as their father. Day of the Lord will be the worst day in the history of man. Nothing will be like it. And God, when that day comes, people who do not have a relationship, a saving relationship, who have not put their faith and trust in Christ and who he is and what he has done, God, they will enter into your wrath and your judgment forever and ever. God, speak to us today. Show us, God, what you want us to see, what we need to remember, what we need to know. May it change us for our good and your glory. We love you. Ask this in Christ's name. So the first thing to notice in verse 10 is the word but. We talk about that quite a bit when we see that. Uh, Peter, in verse 9, had just spoken some of, literally some of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. When he says the Lord's not slow about his promise, but is patient toward you. God doesn't wish any to perish, but all to come to repentance. What a beautiful thing to be told. And then he says, but. And the but in verse 10 is introducing a dramatic contra- uh, contrast with what Peter has just said. Right? It's a contrast about God holding back his hand of judgment. God is patient. Peter says that patience is not going to last forever. And because of that truth, he admonishes his churches. He admonishes us. He says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's interesting. We'd be wise to remember that it was Jesus himself who put those two things together for us. The day of the Lord and the idea that his coming back would be like a thief coming in the night. In Matthew 24, Jesus says this, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not allow his house to be broken into. Jesus is the one who dared to compare his return to the coming of a thief in the night. And then Paul picks this same, this same idea up in one of his letters um, to the Thessalonian church. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So verse 10, this idea of Jesus coming like a thief. I was reading John Piper notes at least three things he found 
uh, involved in this analogy, this comparison of the day of the Lord coming like a thief. And the first one is the obvious one, right? That the day of the Lord involves the second coming of Christ. We always need to keep those things together. Sometimes we talk about the return of Christ, but I don't think we think about the day of the Lord part, right? Or we just think about the day of the Lord part and, and what we're going to see in a minute without the good news of, you know, it's Jesus coming back to, to claim his own and to himself. And so Piper says we need to keep those things together. The second thing he notes is that, that when Jesus comes, it involves suddenness and unexpectedness and destruction for all believers. I'm sorry, for all unbelievers. When Jesus comes back, it's unexpected and it's destruction for all unbelievers. And, and let me just take a second to warn you against making that idea, again, an impersonal idea, as though unbelievers is some group of people on the other side of the planet that we never come into contact with, right? Again, the unbelievers that we're talking about here, some of them live in our home. Some of them are sitting in the pews of this church right now. Jesus comes back in a minute. They walk into an eternity of wrath and judgment. We need to, we need to know we know these people. We need to remember. We need to remember that the suddenness, the unexpectedness, what that will mean for people who have not put their faith and trust in Christ. And then, thirdly, Piper says this day involves deliverance and salvation for those who are awake, right? For believers, salvation for those and and deliverance for those who are doing what the Lord has called them to do. And so, I'll put it to you this way: for believers, right? For those of us who have put our faith and, trust, faith and trust in Christ, I said a while ago, the day of the Lord, this day, the second coming, is the greatest of all days. We live in, in anticipation of this day, right? And the reason, is we, the reason we do is because for us, God's wrath that we're going to take a look at here in a minute, God's wrath has been satisfied on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to experience that. I'm not going to face it. Jesus took that for me. So for me, the second coming, right, the day of the Lord, it's a wonderful day when my Lord comes back and he takes me home. There's a song we sing sometimes, right? I would sing this to you, but I can't sing. There's a song we sing sometimes, and this lyric is in the song. It says, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. And it's the truth of those lyrics is why I said all I did at the beginning, right? The question for us in the room is, has the wrath of God been satisfied concerning you, right? That's the question you have to be able to answer. Has God's wrath been satisfied at the cross for me? Are you trusting in Jesus for your salvation, we could ask? Are you doing all the Lord has called you to do? I told our teenagers a couple weeks ago, I was thinking about this, this idea of doing what the Lord's called us to do. I was sharing with them a couple weeks ago that, that true believers, true followers, always, and I mean always, tend towards spiritual things. True followers always tend toward the things of God, right? True followers, they tend toward fellowship. They tend toward time in the word. They tend toward prayer. They tend toward for repentance. Always. Not perfectly, right? Don't hear that wrong. Not perfectly, but always moving toward those things. The question is, how are, how are you doing those, at those things? Right? 
is your house in order is a way we could ask this because Jesus is coming back. And when he does, it's too late. It's too late to do anything about it at that point. We sang, we sang a song a little bit earlier, right, that talks about this. Are we like a bride waiting for a groom? Are we? Are we a church that's ready for his return? More specifically, are you personally ready for his return? We were encouraged a couple of weeks ago in a sermon to live each day allowing God to interrupt our life, right? So that when he does come, we won't be surprised like we would be if we went home from church today and found that our house had been robbed. And so that's, again, the question of the day. Are you allowing God to interrupt your life? Not why, and if not, when? But listen, Peter's saying more in verse 10 than simply explaining how Jesus is going to return. I told Chris as we talked about this a week or so ago, I think it's easy to read this verse, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and our, at least my mind always goes to the end of that. He's going to come like a thief in the night, thief in the night. I think Peter's point, especially in, in reference to these scoffers, is no, the Lord, the day of the Lord will come. There's the emphasis of this verse. He tells us how, but that's not his sole focus, right? Peter isn't countering an argument about what the arrival is going to look like. It's not like the scoffer said, hey, there's going to be a lot of fanfare, and Peter's like, nope, he's going to come like a thief. The importance here is that, is that Jesus is going to come, right? The day of the Lord is going to come, and that's the thing that we need to fully appreciate so that it changes us, right? Look again, look at the, again at verse 10. The day of the Lord will come. There's the promise. Like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Next week when Chris is back preaching, you're going to hear the same language in, in verse 12. Peter repeats this similar language because it's very important this idea of the day of the lord and in the old testament right the day of the lord is very common sometimes sometimes it refers to to god typologically stepping into history right to deal with the wickedness and sin of the world or perhaps with the nation of israel the the passage that laura read earlier during the offertory that's an example of that where God stepped in to deal with something right then. And we can read about that in other places, Jeremiah and Zephaniah and Ezekiel. It's all over the place. But most often, most often the day of the Lord, including today, refers to a specific day in the future when the Lord's going to come back and vindicate his holy name. The day of the Lord, that Peter says, the day of the Lord will come. That day is going to bring destruction upon all of God's enemies who refuse to repent. Yes, he's going to gather his people into a new and righteous kingdom, but he's going to destroy all of his enemies. And there are lots of places in the Old Testament we could go, but I want to show you three times, three times this phrase is used to get the weight of what the day of the Lord will look like. The first one is in Joel chapter 2. This is a passage you're probably familiar with. This is a passage, part of which Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost. But in Joel chapter 2, God says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. We see the same phrase in Zephaniah, 
prophet who spoke after the Babylonian captivity. In chapter 1, the prophet says this, The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and destruction, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. And that's strong language, right? Leaves no room for misunderstanding about what the day of the Lord will look like for those who do not know Jesus. And if that's not enough, Malachi, the last prophet in the Old Testament, He spoke of the day of the Lord this way. In chapter 3, he wrote, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And then in chapter 4, he writes, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. It's interesting. What Peter says here in verse 10, this part of his letter, it's not something new. right? It's one of the reasons I wanted to share that from the Old Testament. The idea of the day of the Lord is not a new thing. The expectation that the wrath of God was someday going to come and destroy the earth do away with all of the ungodly and their works. That teaching is eight centuries old when Peter wrote this in 2 Peter. Eight centuries old. It's 28 centuries old for us, right? This is not a new thing that he came up with, but the promise nonetheless is the same. So the question is, what does this have to do with us, right? What does a passage like this have to do with me and you? First, we need to remember that this day is coming. Because the Lord promised it would. This day is coming because God said it was going to. And the promise that is coming should absolutely impact and affect every single aspect of our lives. For us that, that know Jesus as our Savior and Lord, the day of the Lord should serve as a motivation for holy living. I told you earlier, the only thing God cares about is your holiness. It should serve as motivation for holy living. It should serve as a motivation for gospel proclamation. Why do we preach the gospel? Because the day of the Lord's coming. People aren't ready for it, right? Motivation for gospel proclamation. That's our motivation for repentance, to make sure we're in a right relationship with the Lord. That's what motivates us to do it. For daily dependence upon his word. Why are we in this? Why are we reading this every day? Because the day of the Lord is coming, right? It should impact the way we love one another, impact the way that we talk, impact the ways we make money, the ways we spend money. Literally, the truth that the day of the Lord is coming should impact every single aspect of our lives. And, and, and we should, we need to devote ourselves every day in everything we do to the things that last. 
Peter said. Everything else is going to be burned up with. Right? I'm guilty sometimes. I don't know about you. I'm guilty sometimes of spending time chasing things that aren't going to last. I find myself doing that. Thankful for passages like this that remind me it's not important. What's important is your holiness. What's important is your relationship with me. That's what matters most. The other thing this has to do with us is a question I asked a little bit earlier. Has the wrath of God against you been satisfied or is it still to come? I told you this is this, this one side or the other. There is no in between here. Has the wrath of God all that we read about in the Old Testament. And that's just, that's just these guys' way to be able to, to put it into words for us to sort of understand how bad it's going to be. Has that been satisfied because of what Christ did for you and you put your faith and trust in him? If yes, then we need, we need to pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Can't imagine a better prayer than come quickly, Lord Jesus, because God's wrath against me has been satisfied. I want eternity to begin now with you in your presence forever. But until he does, we also say thank you, God, for your patience. And I know those seem like a contradictions, but it's not, right? We're praying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And as he delays, right, what seems like a delay, as he is patient and coming every single day, we praise him. Say, Father, thank you for your patience and coming back because there are people I know, there are people I live with, there are people I love, that if you come back now, separated from ever from you and they need to hear the gospel and so if the answer is yes come quickly and thank you God for your patience the answer is no the wrath of God has not been satisfied in your life I want you to hear this this day that we read about that's in your future the horror absolute terror of what we read not put your faith and trust in Christ that is what is waiting for you that day is coming but it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be that way and what I would tell you I think sometimes and I didn't write this down I think sometimes oh man it's only 20 till I got all kinds of time <laughs> I think sometimes we get a passage like this you know, and, and it's like, I, mean, I, I get it, you know, day of the Lord, but, but what else does it have to do with me? I think this is a great thing that we can talk with people about, right? One of the, one of the things I hear a lot with, with kids at school um, is how bad things are, right? Man, the world's horrible. It's so bad. Can't believe. What and and, and, and what, a, what a great open door to a conversation of, man, the world is really bad. You know, it used to not be this way. You know, there was a time where God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, right, where everything was perfect. and They were in his presence. That's exactly how it was supposed to be. But unfortunately, their sin separated them from God, right? And so they could not be in God's presence anymore. And not only did their sin separate them from God, right, it affected all of creation. And we live, we live in a time period Right? where the world is full of sinful, sinful people. But the day's coming where it won't be like this. There's a day coming called the day of the Lord where God will come back and he'll restore everything to what it was. 
what it was supposed to be. And listen, when you tell them that, they're not necessarily going to buy into it and be like, tell me more. But you never know what God's going to do with a seed like that that you plant. But yeah, this is the way it used to be. Now it's broken, but it won't always be like that. Right? Because Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, he's going to make everything right. The question is, when he comes back, what's that mean for you? And so that's where we, why we finished where we finished today. He's coming back. If you know him, again, as your Savior and Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. If you don't, today you can. Today is a day that the day of the Lord you can look forward to with great expectation, great anticipation, when he comes back to take you home. Right? It can happen today. If you have questions about that, what does that mean? Tell me more about the day of the Lord. Tell me more of what it means that, that God's wrath can be satisfied you know, or was satisfied at the cross and what happened with Jesus. Explain that to me. Uh, how is what happened to him at the cross saved me? I would love to have that conversation with you. Chris normally says, hey, all three of us, three of us are here. Uh, come down and talk to us. I'll tell you this. I guarantee you, just in, the, just in the front row, Rick, LaDonna, Todd, Stacy, Kate, Laura, Sophie, and Jacob would, do, would love nothing more than to be able to talk with you about what that means. Right? There are people all around this room whose God's wrath has been satisfied right, in their life who would love to talk to you about that. I would love to talk to you as well, but it doesn't have to be me. What I would say is, if, if you know, if you know, right, that, that you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, ask somebody, talk to somebody. Just, just have the courage to say, I want to know more about this, and we'll set up a time to talk. We will. Here in a moment, you realize a little bit of what we talked about, that, that yeah, you know what, God's wrath has been satisfied, but I've kind of been pursuing some other things. Holiness is not the thing I've been pursuing, right? And I need, to, I need to come back to God. There are things in my life I need to repent of. Repent. Don't walk out here today putting that off. Again, you don't know what this afternoon holds. You don't know that you're going to have that opportunity to do so. If you've got questions about membership in this church, if you have questions about anything else, band's going to come back up. They're going to play one song. I would encourage you to let God deal with your heart and you respond to him however he leads you to, okay? Stand with me and we will pray. Father, we are, again, grateful, grateful for this, this time you've given us. Um, and God, I am, I am thankful for the timeliness of this one verse. God, help us to remember that the day of the Lord is a great and awesome day that is coming. God, every single person, when the trumpet sounds, Jesus appears. God, for every person, it will be the greatest, most glorious day or the worst. God, I pray if there are folks in this room, and I know there are, who are separated from you because of their sin, God, God, your wrath is still...
bearing down straight at them. And today, today, God, you would save them. They would come. They would cry out to you for forgiveness. God, knowing that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I pray that as we leave here today, we are reminded that we have people and know people that we care about and we love. Day of the Lord. God, it can't be any worse than that. And it's waiting on them. God, burden our hearts to share the truth of who you are. We ask you to save those who are lost. We know. Thank you for opportunities that you give us to share the gospel. May we click, be quick and bold in the proclamation, trusting you and all you do. And this is all in Christ's name. Amen.